scab you're not crossing that picket line I'm trying not to cross the picket line no I don't know I, I think uh, the whole sex strike thing stirred up a lot of interesting dialogue about feminism that I thought was kind of it was it was an interesting discussion I thought it was an interesting discussion I think it's absurd and ridiculous and any other adjective I can think of but um, so be it if they want to go on strike good luck yeah, I mean, I think there's like the the um, mechanical problem, if you will, or the pragmatic problem of a sex strike to change an abortion law, which is like Lysistrata, which is the play that the that sex strikes were are based on. Uh, the idea was is that Lysistrata was able to convince women on both sides of a war to deny their husbands of sex. So in theory, she had like. A consensus of women uh, on both sides, which was like um, critical mass sufficient to bring the war to an end. But in this case, uh, it would seem like you would need to get women who have sex with Republicans to not have sex with them. And it seems like a lot of those women would probably be conservatives. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, there are definitely a lot of people who are married to opposite political views you know they say opposites attract yeah i mean it seems like that to me was like the the big pragmatic hurdle of like having some sort of impact uh it's like if Alyssa milano is having sex with republicans and this is like her way of sort of announcing it then i guess for her to deny sex to someone who has bearing on that side of the aisle i guess would be effective but you know, I don't think she was. I don't think she was ever serious about this whole thing. I think it's just a publicity stunt to get attention. So that was where she went to get attention to what she felt was a women's uh, rights issue. Yeah, I mean, she got like some interesting uh, blowback on Twitter from feminists as well. Uh huh. Like for and, and and it was really kind of hilarious because it it brought about like men sort of outing themselves as like being bad at sex in a way so like (laughs) for example this woman tweeted uh my problem with this sex strike it feeds the narrative that women only have sex to satisfy men's sexual needs it ignores women's sexuality women like sex too it is not something we give to men to keep them happy this pushes an outdated narrative please stop right so the idea is is like women can enjoy sex as well if, Absolutely, that is such a valid point. And we hope that that's true, right? And But the, there's this guy that replied, and he said, Michelle, please stop before you say something that ruins your credibility. Women may claim to like sex, but you really don't. You tolerate it under limited circumstances and during limited time frames. That's nature's design. Please be honest now. And then a bunch of people jumped all over him, and they're like, dude, you're just not, like, you're just bad at sex, right? Like... <laughs> somebody else well 
<laughs> I, I see. I don't think that that matters. The fact that they're depriving themselves of sex is—it's like are hunger strikes effective? They're only hurting themselves when they go on hunger strikes, but it's to call attention to uh, uh, what they perceive as a wrong. Yeah, I mean, hunger strikes are effective in certain circumstances, right? Like Gandhi brought about pretty significant political change with the hunger strike. Uh, it has—it's had impact in certain specific instances, you know? Right, and that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter if women are being hurt by them by, by not having sex as well as men. You know, they're just, it's just like a hunger strike. They're hurting themselves just to get attention to a particular cause. Yeah. There's this other guy uh, who tweeted, like, in response to also, like, a feminist essentially making the same point. He said, I get the point you're trying to make, but I have yet to meet a hetero woman who, enthas- who enthusiastically participates in sex. It's like, <laughs> these guys couldn't <laughs> help but like show yeah. their deficiency. It's pretty funny. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it is. It is. They, he outed himself. Um, but, I, but I think like that's a conversation that like mostly was just taking place on the left. You know what I mean? Like li- if liberal men are being denied sex, that doesn't really like have any bearing on the power dynamic there of the situation. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. I, I have somewhat mixed feelings, but um, basically, um, I, I think abortions have really made it very difficult for people who can't have children um, to adopt because there's very few kids out there um, who need adoption because there's a lack of uh, women going full term and, and delivering babies that they really don't want and putting them up for ado- adoption. Um, so that's issue an issue. But I think the big issue in abortion is the conservative view that, hey, this is a living being. Um, and it's yes, it's living inside of your body, but it's still a living being. And at some point, it becomes a viable living being that can successfully live outside of your body and so who are you who is anybody to to kill that or end that end that pregnancy um because you're ending the life of a viable human being yeah i mean that's a big problem well roe roe versus wade had like as a part of the 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 decision the writing that went into the decision it, it dealt with viability right that like that it I, did, and they and they said, and and I read that case and went over that case a whole lot in law school, um, uh, a long, long time ago. I'll grant you, but still, I, it's pretty fresh in my mind. Um, they felt at that point, and we're talking thirty, thirty-four, thirty-five years ago, that um, science was not yet at a stage where viability is is a fixed place. It's it's too. Um, it, it, it's too variable. And so they said rather than the courts trying to determine what is viability, um, they just determined uh, it's a woman's right to choose. Now, that was the, that was the response, that was the re, uh, result they wanted, and they wrote the decision to bring about that result. I'm not strongly pro or anti-abortion, but the decision itself is so out there it comes from the right of privacy is not really in the constitution but it comes from the penumbras of the constitution well what the hell are penumbras nobody knows it's like if you took a candle 
and you looked at it, it's it's bright light. But if you looked up a ways, it starts to dim or fade. And those are penumbras. And they just created out of whole cloth um, a result they wanted. They wanted to give the right to a woman, the, ch the right to choose. And so they created this fictitious right to privacy. And I say fictitious because it's not written in the Constitution. I mean, we have a right to... Um, Self against self-incrimination, we have a right to possess guns, we have, you know, the different amendments spell out all those rights. Nowhere in those 10 First Amendments is there any mention of uh, a right to privacy. Yeah, but, a right, but I mean, a right to, to privacy is like a basic, like, whatever they, what do they call it? Like, uh, a, a law, like, uh, common law, like law that's just exists because it's in the, the ethos of our civilization, like, we, we, can, we do believe you can, collectively. You can agree with the result. You can agree with the result. And I sometimes do and sometimes don't, depending on how I'm feeling and depending on the science, okay? I believe there should be a right to privacy. But the point is, the Constitution doesn't provide one. So, what should have been done is there should have been a constitutional amendment, um, and that should have been legislatively done for a right to privacy. And I'm sure at that point in time, um, 30, 40 years ago, our, our Congress would have done that. What do you think, though, about what do, what do you make of the current uh, what's happening politically in Georgia and, and, and now in Alabama? Where they're, I yeah, mean, the Alabama, Alabama, Al Alabama came out with a much stronger law um, that the governor signed, I think, today. Yeah. Uh, that basically says um, you can't have an abortion uh, pretty much in all. Alabama. Uh, at all, unless the the life of the mother is at issue. Yeah, but she the specifically, the, the governor who signed the law, I, I just saw an interview with one of the state legislators. They said they reached out and specifically asked her to make an amendment saying that, they, that cases of rape or incest would be exempted, and she didn't want to do it. So even, even right. like Pat Robertson uh, said that he thinks that the law is going too far and that that it's not the case, it's not the law that they want to, to argue in the Supreme Court. What do you think? I what agree. do you make of this? I move? agree. I agree. I agree that it's gone too far. I don't think the, I don't think the Supreme Court, even today, uh, would, would uh, uphold that law. Um, I, I think the one in Georgia uh, is a lot more interesting and has a lot more potential to be taken up to the Supreme Court uh, for them to re-decide a role. And, and I don't think anybody is, or any court is going to totally um, change the abortion law to the point that you can't have an abortion. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to um, either when a heartbeat is detectable, which is, I think, the Georgia law, or um, some other very specific scientific evidence of viability. Now, do you um, think that there's a chance that Kavanaugh, like, participates in the overturning? Like, do you think he'll be a part of a decision to overturn Roe? Because when he was being confirmed, Susan Collins famously said she was going to vote to confirm him because he assured her that, that he thought that Roe was, like, you know, settled that he didn't that he thought that I agree with him. Case. I, I I would agree with that point. I think Roe is settled. It's been the law of the land for 40 years. But um, 
like we were talking the other day with Mindy about gun, the Second Amendment, and does does the um, opposition to guns, um, the liberals, do they have the right to limit um, access to guns? And yes, to certain degrees they do. And it, you know, we're we're arguing to what degree. And it's the same thing with Roe v. Wade. I don't think they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think they're going to build in an exception and limit it uh, so that it's not any abortion. It's going to be limited. And somehow, based on either the, the, the detectable heartbeat or some other um, very scientifically uh, provable viability. And that's the issue. And the science has been changing so much over the last 30, 40 years um, that fetuses that are, you know, now three pounds, two pounds, um, can survive and survive and become absolutely perfectly normal kids. I mean, just just in case people who are listening to this aren't aware, the vast majority of abortions uh, happen in the first trimester, and I think we could both agree that that those abortions are basically, they don't meet this uh, criteria you're talking about, which is that it's arguable whether or not uh, the fetus is a life, right? So, yeah, but I don't want to draw the distinction of the first trimester. Of, of um, course you don't, because it doesn't, I, I it doesn't science, help your, politi- your political position. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with my point. I think science is changing. And who knows in 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, if in fact science will be able to um, have that baby, that fetus, taken out of the womb and basically survive in a test tube or whatever, um, then that's then that's a life. I mean, do, what, you know, do you, what do you viability is think? the issue? Yeah, what do you think about the idea that I sympathize with? That uh, essentially what we're talking about is legislating uh, what happens over a woman's body instead of leaving that decision to be made by her and a doctor. Like, is is what we're talking about here? Uh, you're essentially like by your um, framing. You're you're essentially treating women as like a vessel for human life, and you're not uh, listening to or prioritizing her will or desire to carry that pregnancy to term or not. It's a balancing of it's a balancing factor, and that's what the court always does. It balances the the the, 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 the differing competing rights. She has rights. The woman has rights. So does the fetus. Once the fetus is a viable person, then that fetus has rights too. And those are competing issues. How much is it going to impact the mother to continue to term or to have the baby taken out and survive some other way? How is that? It's not killing her. It may be hurting her. First of all, it might but, kill but her. you're killing the baby. I mean, you don't, you, I don't have to tell you the dangers of what happens in places where abortion isn't legal or times in the United States when abortion isn't legal, what happens uh, in practice, right? Which is that women then are forced into seeking abortions that are done illegally. They're not safe. They die from infections. They die from bleeding death. It's a- that, that 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 was the case in the 30s, 40s, 50s before 
Roe versus Wade, I will grant you that in some instances. I think it was rare. I think it's it was more rare or rarer than the the cases we're talking about where fetuses are viable and their and their life is ended. You re, you read about these cases of late term abortions, and a lot of those decisions are made by people who are realizing late in their pregnancy, oh my, uh, the fetus has um, a defect whereby like there's a the brain is being bisected by a, a, a bone that's not supposed to be there. The organs have developed outside of the body cavity. Uh, the, the baby right. is going to be and those are issues that those are issues that can be taken into account by the weighing factor by the court. The court is going to have to make a decision so, but, in every so single every case time you want to get weighing. an abortion. Every time you want to get an abortion now, what you're saying is, if if no, if the law was done that way. Then you'd have to go to a court and argue your case. You understand how that has? No, no, yeah, I, that's not the way. That's not the resolution to this. No, the law would be established that, in in the event of A, B, C, D factors, um, you know, the way the weighing of the of the rights, fetus versus mother, the mother's going to win out, um, and then the mother would just get an abortion. She wouldn't have to go to court to prove it. There will be criteria, just like there is now, for somebody uh, who's unconscious, and they determine, um, physicians, neurologists, neurosurgeons determine, this person is brain dead. They have two or three different neurosurgeons saying, this person is brain dead and can never come back. Nobody, nobody can ever harm them for, for ending that life. And it's the same thing for a fetus. You would set up criteria like you need two or three um, pediatricians or OBGYNs to say this is a viable fetus. But in a state, this isn't a in a state where, let's say, I think Alabama and there's a handful of other states, you literally have one clinic that practices abortion. It's gonna. What you're talking about would have such a chilling effect on anyone trying to get an abortion that no, it, it would deter. No, it, it would deter lots of people from accessing that service. No, it wouldn't, because the abortion so clinics. So now what you're saying is you're going to need to go get a second opinion. You're going to need to get the abortion clinics. The abortion clinics would have doctors on at their beck and call to render opinions. There are no. And they'd have th- to. There are. There's no surplus of abortion doctors that are able to go give second and third there's, opinions you have states you where there's to be an abortion you have you don't have to be an abortion doctor to render an opinion on viability of a fetus you have to be a pediatrician but you're lumping more you're talking about like a public health issue where if if you if you regulate if you over regulate it and make it hard to access you start to risk people's lives and you start to there's out there's a a, a a blowback to that policy that's incredibly damaging to people's lives. You're saying overregulate. Yeah. What I'm saying is you have physicians, experts in the field who will testify uh, and establish criteria that the court would use. What do you mean by testify? You're saying they have to go to court? And present a no, case every time no, they do no. an abortion in the Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court, when the case is ultimately decided, that's going to make this decision. They are going to spell out. If let's assume they're going to um, not reverse row, but they're going to limit it. Okay, they're going to limit it under very specific circumstances and those can include rape and incest and things like that harm uh risk of life to the mother and then 
certain limitations on the viability of the fetus that clearly uh, at the time of in the scientific time that the case is being decided uh, are well within the bounds of scientific acceptance that this fetus at this point in time with these symptoms with this heartbeat with this whatever is viable and is a life but don't you see how um they're never going to be able to define all of the potential scenarios when you have a host uh, like a whole host of medical conditions and physical abnormalities and problems with pregnancies and with fetuses and with development that are going to make it very hard to legally define all those things and therefore it's best to just let women and doctors make this decision doctors have sworn a hippocratic oath and wait women women have an ulterior motive they're not thinking of the best interest of the child. They're thinking of their own best interest. But you don't think I don't want to be. You think pregnant that women anymore. are going? Around, I don't want to be pregnant. You think women are going around be making this decision anymore. lightly? You think they're just going around saying like, uh, you know, this was fun and everything. I just kind of don't feel like I want to be pregnant anymore, so I'm going to have an abortion. Like a- anyone I, th- I know I who's think, had an abortion I has think... made that uh, decision with a great deal of gravity and mourning. Everyone you know, if a woman has a miscarriage, she's going to be facing manslaughter charges. Why? Why would she be facing manslaughter charges if it was beyond her control? Because if now, if you can show that she was drinking alcohol or taking drugs or punching herself in the stomach or you know things that caused the the uh, miscarriage, well then that's a whole different issue, isn't it? But if it if it was just a uh, spontaneous miscarriage that she had no control over, why would anybody prosecute her for what on what grounds? Because they're anti-abortion and they have suspicion that this person did it on purpose. No, 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 no. The law is not suspicion. The law is proved beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody took a life intentionally. So you're comfortable though so, with there being cases that are that are prosecuted on these uh, in these terms? Yes, and. Yes. And are you comfortable with women going to jail for seeking abortions or doctors going to jail for providing them? Under certain circumstances, yes. You understand and are comfortable with the chilling effect that will have on women's health. The chilling effect on women's health. I don't follow that. Right. That it will mean that there's less people willing to provide abortions. Women will be less likely to go and pursue them because they're scared about the consequences. Uh, There will be more control and regulation scrutinizing the decisions made by doctors and by women, and therefore less women accessing abortions, and therefore more women accessing illegal abortions or not having abortions or avoiding going to the doctor. Or more babies babies, uh, uh, eligible for adoption which is a via, uh, uh, virtually needed in this country. People can't get children anymore. They have to go outside the country. Okay. And you know, but, and that's sad. I get I, That's sad. People who would be great parents who want kids can't get them. Why? Because of a, because of abortion. Yeah, but, but I mean a large like that depends on the uh on you obliging another person in this case a woman to carry on with the pregnancy that she wishes to not carry on with. So in that Don't way... Don't carry on with the pregnancy. Don't carry on. We will deliver this fetus now and keep it alive in the hospital. Segway? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So famously, 
Uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I remember him. He used to be vice president. He's running for president. I've heard something about that. I think he's in the lead. I guess it depends on which polls you look at, right? Because the first, the poll that came out like last week, it said that Biden was leading by like 30 or 40 points. But then when you look closely at what they're talking about, it's like landline phones. Uh, I don't have a landline. Do you have a landline? I do not. And, well, I have, have one at my office, but I don't have one in the house. And it was like everyone who, there wasn't anyone polled in that poll who was under 50 or something. Okay. And then I saw another poll. <laughs> Bernie is also an old guy, so there's no prejudice there. Uh, right. I don't think it's like a prejudice because he's old or because he's young. It's just like the political persuasions of people of a certain age group, you know? And then I saw another I, poll. I, that, I find that interesting. I find that interesting that the party who um, wants to be all inclusive and, um, you know, talks about uh, talks about the uh, the white, the old white guys who um are, are have entitlements that the rest of us don't have or the rest of the folks out there don't have. Uh, the two front-running candidates are two old white guys. I think that's very funny, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people in the Democratic Party are making that argument, uh, although I'd say it's probably not always in, in good faith. Uh, a lot of the times it's just a way to uh, attack people who uh, you don't agree with politically. I think... The Democratic, um, the Democratic Party, by that I mean Democratic-leaning voters, um, need to nominate somebody who they actually think can beat Trump. I mean, there's so much hatred towards Trump on the left. Uh, instead of going far left, which you're going to meet, you're going to come up with somebody who can't beat Trump. Um, they they really need to focus on somebody as close to the middle as they can get, which is probably Joe Biden. Well, it's funny that um, there's this, there's this like electability uh, debate happening on in the Democratic Party. And correct. some people are saying uh, what you're saying, which is essentially like so much of the country is like in the middle, which I kind of don't really agree with. I, I kind of think is like a flawed outlook uh, that was disproven largely by what happened in 2016. But... They're trying to, and I think Democrats do this a lot, they try to guess what Republicans will say and then curtail their like proposals as a way to sort of mitigate like a future criticism, you know? And like, just look at what Republicans are doing with abortion. I think Republican strategy, which has been a winning one, has been to do the exact opposite, right? It's like Republicans, they're immune to the critique that they're racist. They don't care. It's not like they're sitting around worrying and wondering about how this policy proposal or that one will make them look in the eyes of Democrats. They've, they're past that. I think that era of politics is gone. Uh, where I agree. I agree. So, so the, in terms of electability of someone like Joe Biden, uh, I think a lot of the people making that argument are not making it in good faith. They really just are centrists. They're ideological centrists who think that um, proposals that are widely popular, even on uh, both sides of the aisle, like Medicare for all, are too radical. And so they say we need to support someone like Joe Biden so he doesn't spook off uh, uh, centrist voters that, that we could maybe take from Trump. 
you are a Republican. How many people you know who voted for Donald Trump would be willing to vote for Joe Biden? Uh, very few. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like, are you are you going to be convinced? Is there something that Joe Biden could say between now and November 2020 that's going to deter you from voting for Donald Trump and vote for him instead? You know what they say, Russ? You know what they say for a long time? I've heard this. You don't at, at family meetings, right? At Thanksgiving, at, at family dinners, you don't discuss politics and you don't discuss religion. Okay, why? Because people are divided and you will never convince the other side that you're right. You will never convince somebody to give up their religion in a conversation. You will never convince somebody to give up their political, strongly held political beliefs in a conversation. It doesn't happen. We're having conversations, but you're never going to become a conservative. I'm never going to become a liberal. We're doing this for the, peop the people out there that may be listening who are independents. Because, and that's that's We're not independent. Maybe not independents. I, I think like... A new way to look at this that Donald Trump, I think, is largely responsible for, in my mind, is like not necessarily independence, maybe people who haven't thought very much about politics or people who haven't engaged very much in politics. Okay, which is a large, a large percentage of younger people, right? They don't think about politics. They're just having fun and growing up and doing their stick, their stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, going through life, trying to get jobs, trying to get college, whatever. They're not, politics is not high on their list. I, I agree with you. Yeah, but I think at the same time, people's political um, political ideology is fluid and it evolves. And sometimes these discussions, like maybe I'm not going to convince you 100% to not vote for Donald Trump, but maybe uh, you might question things that you that you thought you believed previously, or you might think about. Uh, an issue in a way that you hadn't considered and it might sort of jar something loose that in, in it's not it's not just it's not just people who change it's political parties it's politicians who change i grew up in a in a jewish liberal household my parents were both liberals i was a liberal okay i've i didn't vote because i couldn't vote but i was a strong supporter of john kennedy he was a democrat why because I believed in what he said. You know what he said, Russ? Ask not what you can do for your country. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That is a conservative value. That is a conservative value today. That was your. That was John <laughs> Jack uh, why, uh, I mean, why is that a conservative value? Because that's what we say. That's what conservatives say. Don't be dependent on the country. We don't, the country isn't going to feed you for your life. The country is going to make give you opportunities. You have to go out there and do stuff. Do something for your country. Going back to this idea that somehow the center is more electable for the Democrats than the left, I think Correct. you need to look no further than Donald Trump to see why that logic is flawed. At this point in the last presidential election, uh, uh, Jeb was like a shoe-in, and he turned out to be pretty much a complete dud. Um, and no one thought that Donald Trump had a shot. People thought maybe Ted Cruz, maybe Marco Rubio, because the things that I was I was a Marco Rubio guy. And I got to tell you something. Nobody, myself included, even on election night, I was shocked that Trump was winning. Right. Uh, it turned around and won um, in the primaries. 
I was a Marco Rubio guy. I don't understand how Trump happened. He's he he just happened. He, okay, I, I, it's, it's yeah, a fun, I, it's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. He's not a person. He's a phenomenon. No, but okay? I think that I think the phenomenon is partly explained by an erosion of the middle. Uh, and so when you talk about like electoral viability, you can't just say whose ideologies are like the median average of the population you have to say what's going to energize and mobilize people to turn out to vote that's what trump did and was able to do i I don't agree with you i don't agree with you i don't agree with you that it's an erosion of the middle okay i think a lot of people in this country obviously felt they were being ignored by both the republican party and the Democratic Party. Yeah. A lot of people felt they were get, their voices were not being heard by either party, okay? These people were in the middle. Um, this was middle America. This was an uprising. And that's how the phenomenon came to be. He recognized that. And he, and he capitalized on it. And here we are. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, is like, um, a lot of people feel the same way uh, and they and they feel a disgust or a distaste for the Joe Bidens, the Hillary Clintons, the John Podestas, the um, uh, the Chuck Schumers, the Nancy Pelosi's of the Democratic the Party. The old time, the old time politicians. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. But by going further and further to the left, that's not the answer. Find another Joe Biden. Find somebody who's going to be more middle of the road, but is younger and more vibrant. But why? Like, I guess this is my point, right? It's like if, uh, let's say, for example, you, you, you know and are aware of the phenomenon of people who voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary and Donald Trump in the general. That was correct. There's a similar appeal um, that like populism, I guess, for lack of a better term, has. Yeah, to a certain yeah. demographic of voters. It. So you want to talk about taking uh, a chunk of the votership away from Donald Trump. It seems to me like, at least specifically for that demographic, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren is going to have a better shot than would Joe Biden when it comes to those demographics. Now, also... No, I don't agree. I don't think it was the political philosophy. I think Bernie and Trump were both looked upon as rebels. Okay, I don't think it's a political ideology. Nobody really knew what Trump's ideology was going to be. Um, it, it fortunately worked out. He's he's as far as I'm concerned, the guy who voted for him, he's doing all the right things. He's he's doing conservative stuff. But um, we didn't really know that the guy was a, a liberal most of his life. I wanted to bring something up. You know, Bernie Sanders uh, went on Fox News and did that town hall. Yep. And famously, Fox News did a poll right after the town hall aired. Who would you vote for if the candidates in 2020 were Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump? Um, Donald Trump got 40% and Bernie Sanders got 47%. And that was a Fox News poll. It was was in Bernie Sanders' and Donald Trump's defense right after the town hall aired. Okay? But that that was a, a Fox News poll that showed that Bernie Sanders would beat Donald Trump. If, if everything stayed the same and Bernie Sanders were to become the nominee. Elizabeth Warren yeah. just said today, and I think Kamala Harris followed her lead, said that they wouldn't go on Fox News because they disagree with the platform. They think it's a, uh, you know, 
a, a puppet. They're uh, stupid. Out. They're stupid. They're stupid. They're stupid. You know why? Why? Those are people, the, the, the Fox listeners or viewers, are people who they don't normally reach, okay? They, they keep preaching to their base. You have to get more. Th Bernie was smart, okay? You go on Fox News if you're a liberal because you're getting exposure to people who never saw you, never heard you. If you're good, if you're convincing, if you got a good argument, you're gonna make points there. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get a 47 to 40 vote. But especially okay? if what you're selling them, what you're pitching is something that they ideologically can latch on to. And I think that that's where you see Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren who have more of a economic justice platform can get more mileage out of a Fox News audience than say a Kamala Harris or a Cory Booker, a Buttigieg who are sort of more Wall Street Democrats. That's why Trump goes on, you know, NBC. He has all those people go on Meet the Press and 60 Minutes. And I mean, because that's what you want to do. You want to get to other audiences. You don't want to keep preaching to your to your base. That'll get you nowhere. But what do you think can peel them? What do you think are the things that could peel people who are on the fence about Trump away from voting for him in 2020? If Trump totally what we call steps on his schmecky, okay? If Trump, Trump screws up something royal in the next year and a half, that's the only way. Trump is a shoe in against any of them.